Running Sentences presents The Lost Adventures of a Maybe Hero Part 5 The Job At long last, it is time for the robbery to commence. Not that Leonardo has a single clue about what to do during this whole thing. This is a work of fiction. Any names, characters, businesses, events, and incidences within this story are products of the author's imagination. Any resemblance to real people, real events, real situations, real businesses, and or fictional events, incidences, business, and people is purely coincidental. Copyright 2022. Michael Honoré. All rights reserved. His parents were superhero. What? Why? How? Did that make any... Did that make him an actual superhero? Since obviously they'd passed down any genes to their kid, that would mean he got something, right? But he didn't feel special. And Jeeves stood there in front of him, across from the couch. As he stood there with his hands behind his back, the air of certainty about how this situation was going to go had left Leonardo just sitting there. I am sorry to have to tell you that, sir. What? Why are you sorry? They said if I were ever to tell you or ever you were to ever find out the truth, that it likely meant that the mob had also found out about you. We need to hurry you away from this place at once, to a new location, to keep you safe and sound. We have no proof of any such thing happening, though. It would be the safer thing to do, sir. I know you were looking forward to doing something special with my daughter, but um, we must abandon that right away. There is no abandoning of anything, father. Catalina had charged into the living room and came right up to her father. Jeeves didn't flinch and evenly looked into his daughter's eyes. What you want is not important, Catalina. A young man's safety is at risk. I cannot be the one who puts him at risk. Do you know what superheroes can do if they find out that people have been going against their wishes? Leonardo had half stood up to try and get in the way and separate them, but it didn't seem like they were going to listen to him, so he sort of half stood, half sat, trying to figure out what to do as she snarled. If they find out, if the mob has found out, we have no proof that anyone knows anything aside from us. Just give me a week or two, and then we can go into nanny mode with uh, Leonardo. Uh, do I get any say in this matter? Because I'd rather not run away without proof that bad things are about to come down on to me. Jeeves looked over, concerned, but seemed to be relenting, if only a little bit, by the way his look had softened. He was still rather stone-faced, though. Yes, he has a say in this as well. We can't just pick him up and throw him into the back of a moving van and say, job done. She gave him a sort of discreet thumbs up as she glanced over towards him and then went back toward glaring at her father. Okay, you might be able to do that to him since he's small, but I, but I have some friends that can help look into such matters. Let me look into things before we do anything. Jeeves did not look entirely convinced by her arguments and seemed to be having the opposite effect now. People looking into what the mob does and does not know is exactly what's going to set the mob off. They'll smell a rat a mile away, daughter. It can be done 
very quietly and efficiently, they'll never know what hit them. She then spun about and grabbed Leonardo's arm as he'd finally decided to fully stand up since crouching was a bit of a pain and it didn't feel all that comfortable. And then just simply hurried him out of the living room. They went up to his bedroom and she finally let go of his arm once they were safely inside. Catalina was busy checking to see if the door had a lock on it, but he just went over towards his computer chair and sat down. His mind was busy with all that was going on. Bank robbery, parents who were heroes, maybe, the mob. None of it really fit together, and he was left with bits and pieces of something that he knew was probably bigger. After all, he hadn't spent forever reading comic books without picking up a few ideas on how the world worked. Okay, so... I lied to my dad. We aren't going to check in with my friends. The mob will definitely send something if we do that. But next week is the job, and I need you. So... Okay, but I'm not entirely sure why you seem to need me. It seems like you could do this all without my involvement. She finally locked the door and tested the handle a few times, and then turned to him once again and cocked her head to the side. Appearances, appearances, and the theatrics of it all. I need people to know my gang's name, but if we just leave calling cards, they tend to get forgotten about and or not unnoticed unless we pull off big heists and really plaster it all over the place. Don't think my gang is ready for that just yet. So I'm your fast track to fame and fortune? Good gangs need someone to go against, just like heroes need a villain. We go hand in hand. All we've done is cut out the finding of one another. You don't need to think about having to face off against villains, finding out you have an arch nemesis or anything like that. No one is ever going to find out how we knew one another either. What we just need to do is concern ourselves with the job. That's the other thing. What the fuck am I supposed to do? Show up and stand around telling you all for robbing a bank? The security footage of that will look hysterical, but it won't get you what you want, I think. Did you not know that we're going to be fighting? Probably against me and maybe then a bit of against Roscoe? You'll win, but barely, or maybe. But uh, maybe you'll win. Uh, you just have to throw your punches as hard as you can. My gang has done a fair amount of theatrical work, so we know how to act, fight, fight, act, however you want to put it. He was left speechless. There was going to be pretend fights and a fake robbery, mostly, and that's all. That didn't sound right. How was he supposed to figure out how to fake fight? It was, you know, she had said just throw a punch, but this felt oddly too simple as he watched her walk across the room, throw open his window, and then disappear out of it. Why she hadn't just gone out the door, they'd just come in, was another headache, that along with a grumbling stomach that he would have to figure out. But his stomach and getting food was now his priority. He went over to the door and unlocked it as he headed down to the kitchen. Having made his way down there, he found Jeeves busy working on something in the kitchen. There was steam and a glorious smell as Leonardo went over and sat down at the kitchen table. He did not want to get in the way, having been told off before for trying to help. So he sat down and leaned on his elbows against the table. All so he could rest his head on his hands and watch Jeeves work, and so he could think. Are you really not okay with discovering if the mob knows about me? 
And why is this all such a big deal? I don't get it. What is the, the mobs? What, what really does the mob have to do with my family? Yes, I am not okay with it, sir. I will deal with it, but it doesn't seem okay. It only puts you in danger, and I don't like that idea. As for why it is a big deal, as you say, it is a matter of the mob using you, capturing you, or some other nefarious thing, to get to your parents, because your parents would have to spring to free you. The mob would probably also do unspeakable things to you to get to your parents, and I cannot have that. Jeeves had finished cooking something and plated it, and then, in a flurry of some activity, which Leonardo had trouble seeing, his butler then came over to him and placed a meal before him. Uh, thank you, um, but weren't you cooking something for yourself? No, sir, it was for you. I already had my meal, but thank you for your concern. Jeeves stepped away back into the proper kitchen to begin the clean-up process. Leonardo stared at the plate of pasta with sausage and some sort of tomato sauce on it. The smell wasn't intense, and he basked in it for a few seconds before picking up a fork to start eating. Um, forgive me, Jeeves, but I, I have to say that what you told me sounds a little bit like a comic book story plot. It's very... Cliché, yes, sir, it is. But it is also what has happened here, and I don't trust my daughter also unless she has a way of only looking out for herself to make a dollar. I am only giving you a week, and then you will be moving, so just keep your head on a swivel, sir, please. And with all that said, the butler continued busying himself with cleaning, which he soon finished as Leonardo ate. After having finished this cleaning, Jeeves quickly left to attend to some other things, leaving him alone with, with his food and a soft patter of rain on the windows. Oh, didn't Jeeves say he was going to do something about that rain? I do remember that being said, but judging from everything that's going on, that was probably very sarcastic. Leonardo rose from the table when he was done eating and went over to wash up his plate. He already threw so much responsibility on Jeeves, helping out here and there seemed like a decent enough idea, though Jeeves would probably re-clean re the plate at a later time just to make sure it was just right. With a shake of his head, Leonardo headed for his room, now terribly tired and wondering what his parents were like. They obviously cared about him, but... to not have visited him or to talk to him in how many years had it been... He couldn't even remember their faces or names. Something felt convenient about the story that had been fed to him by Jeeves, but he didn't know what it was, and it was another piece of a puzzle that his mind was not computing. His mind was whirling about the thought of it all, and it just was not fitting in yet. Tired, bored, and lost in his own mind, Leonardo had headed upstairs for his bed, and he was walking down the hallway towards his room when a loud voice nearby, near a slightly ajar door, caught his attention. It was definitely Catalina's voice, but why was she in the house that she had just left out the window, of all things? Yes, I know it's a risk, but I don't like risks that could complicate our plans. I need you to look into this. He wasn't close to the door, but he could clearly hear her voice. What was she up to? He crept an inch or two closer. Look, we can't change the plans now. It's too close to push off. We can poke around to make sure that he won't bring any issues to us. It is just the mob. I don't think they will be too much trouble for us. 
It was about him, and he worried that she didn't trust him, and now he didn't know if he should trust her. She had said she was going to do the search, then told him that she wasn't going to do it, and now here she was, saying she was. So what was it to be, to trust or not? He went past the door, tuning out the rest, unfortunately, as his imagination took over. What if she wanted him to hear this conversation, but for what purpose? His head began to hurt from it all, and the variety of thoughts that were being thrown at it from angles that he didn't know existed. Exhaustion clamped down on all of that as he continued his journey to his only refuge, his bedroom. A few days later, having only left his room to either work out or eat, Leonardo stood in his room trying to figure out what to do this afternoon. He'd avoided Catalina and Jeeves other than for one last suit fitting, which had made the superhero suit a little more comfortable to wear, but still, it hampered his movement and was just a little off. He sighed when a knock on the door interrupted his nothing plans, and he went over to open it, finding Catalina standing on the other side. Are you ready? Uh, for... What do you think I'm referring to, dingus? The job, but I just want to make sure that I'm not left out of the loop, even though I've been left out of the loop. You have not been left out of the loop, dingus. She grabbed his arm and had begun to pull him out of the room. Explain then what I'm supposed to be doing other than fight acting, which won't be believable by the way, and I have no idea what it is. She'd been successful in her task in getting him out into the hallway, and the two had begun heading down it. The robbery starts at twelve midnight. Fifteen minutes past midnight, you bust in the same way we've broken in, the back garage. Also, scream at the top of your lungs that about stopping the righteous rape gang. We need our name out there and heard. She continued pulling him along the hallway as he blinked and nodded and sort of just let it all go by him, except, except, his mind worried. I need a clock. What? I, I couldn't keep time in the suit when you sent me to fetch the message from the deli. If you want me to be on time again, or, well, I don't know if I was on time last time, but uh, I need a watch of some sort to help me out. They paused at the stairs as Catalina sighed and nodded. Okay, I have something that might work. You head down and get suited up down at uh, my father's workshop. She went off and vanished back down the hallway and through a doorway. Leonardo stood there for a second and a half, expecting her to come back a second later with something, but she did not so he began to slowly make his way downward. Having made his way all the way down to the basement workshop that Jeeves called home, Leonardo came to a stop in front of the suit. The butler was not around, and it was quiet as he gently began to strip the mannequin of the costume. He felt utterly ridiculous doing this, and the fact that he was about to put it on, and as he slowly stripped himself as well, and then slid into this uncomfortable, slightly wet suit costume that was made to be superhero-ish, all except the mask, which he saved for last, but had just held on to, as he didn't want to wear it yet. His mind had gone to the fact that this was a dream to help save the day, or do anything with his life, that he'd been so caught up in nothingness. So, if it felt a little staged on its way to getting out there, well, perhaps that was acceptable, if a little bit. And soon, stripped and into this costume, and mostly fully into it, aside from the back zipper, he soon was moving about in the costume, trying to make sure that it was just 
slightly comfortable and doing the zipper dance to try and get at the one in the back, with the usual amount of success. Exactly none. He gave up and went in search of where Catalina was so that she could zip him up. Leonardo went to the garage, figuring that's where Catalina might be, and sure enough she was there by a car, with the hood up, looking over a few last things before slamming it down. The sight of that made him worry, though, that she was up to something as he approached her. Uh, Catalina, if I could ask a favor, I kinda need the back zipped up. She looked over at him, and from what she was doing, with a cheeky grin, came away from the car, and then dangled a pocket watch from a chain that she held on to. Your watch, sir. It was dropped into his hands as she passed by him, and then went around to the back to help zip up his suit. The rubbery feeling was still not nice, but it looked a bit more like a butler suit than the previous version had. Still much like a wetsuit, though, so whether that was a win or not, he couldn't decide. By the way, can you drive a car? Shouldn't you have asked that a while ago? And I've driven a little bit when Jeeves does his vanishing trick, but only up and down the driveway. Well, you'll need to drive to escape after my gang escapes your clutches. Ah, so I'm sure you'll have another fun adventure. Wait, am I I'm supposed to... Where am I supposed to drive to once this escape happens? I would guess around for a while. Go, go around for a while. Try not to raise any attention and then head for home. Come on, we don't have time to waste. She went over to the hood of the car and made sure that it was in place and locked as he followed her over getting into the passenger side of the car. A mixture of excitement and dread going through Leonardo. He looked at the watch he had in his hand. It showed... 3 p.m. Getting on into the late afternoon and a mask in his other hand, the whole thing was not going to work out well, he felt. But the excitement and interest of what was going to happen kept him going forward. He wanted to know what was what. Catalina drove him around town for a while before finding a commuter parking lot. She looked over at Leonardo as he glanced at the pocket watch in his hand. The bank is three blocks over from here. It is now 9 p.m. I'm going to leave you and the car here. You might want to get some driving practice in, or not, depending on how you feel. But at 15 minutes past midnight, you need to be at the bank. Take the car to the back entrance via the alleyway. It's big enough for a bank armored truck, so you shouldn't have to worry about that. No idea why anyone calls them armored cars. They are trucks, but that is another matter. And so, until I see you in the bank, adieu. She was out of the car and then gone from sight altogether and all too quickly. He glanced around to see where she might have gotten off to, but she had well and truly just seemed to have vanished. Leonardo's stomach did a bit of a tumble as he slid into the driver's side of the car. He was still looking around and keeping an eye out as his hands went towards the ignition key. He hyped himself up a little bit. I think a little driving practice can't hurt, right, Leonardo? Right. Let's just do this. A flinch of panic hit him as he turned the key, and the world of what could go wrong flooded into his mind. There was lots that could, as he slid the shifter from P to R. He was glad that he at least remembered something about driving. He putted into reverse out of the parking spot. A moment later, he moved the shifter to the D position, and went about avoiding running into anything in the empty parking lot. 
puttering about here and there, not going very quickly, but still feeling like he was going fairly quickly. Okay, steady. Keep it steady, and I add a little gas, and it shouldn't go badly. He looked down at the dashboard for the gas gauge as a sudden panic took hold of him. Did he have enough fuel? The gauge read just about full, so that moment passed quickly as he found a parking spot and pulled in. He worried about the gas, even though the drive so far hadn't seemed to do much to it. And there was also the fact that Catalina had the hood up for the car for some reason. He decided to park and wait to see if anything happened. His little pocket watch now read 11, and he felt his heart starting to jump at the thought of what was going to go down. It didn't make a lick of sense to him, yet he couldn't help but smile. Leonardo settled deeply into the seat to wait as he kept eyeing the pocket watch to keep an eye on time. His nervousness wasn't going away, and he worried he wouldn't be able to find the back entrance to this bank. And so, Leonardo got the car going again and moved towards the parking lot exit. It would be smart to do a little scouting just in case, his mind told him, and keep an eye out for things. Get a lay of the land. His mind kept whirling and whirring through these excuses as he pulled out of the parking lot. The car drove a few blocks down the road easily, but slowly, with Leonardo keeping his eye out for the bank. When he spotted it, he slowed down a little further to spot the little side alleyway road and his pocket watch already reading 11.45. His heart was pumping furiously in nervousness. He pressed the gas a bit so he could circle around the block as quickly as he dared, not wanting to be late for his entrance. At ten minutes past twelve, Leonardo had nosed the car into this back driveway alleyway to the bank building. There was no one else that round as he drove up to what appeared to be an open garage door on a platform. He pulled his car to a stop and stared at his pocket watch once more. The only thing left to do was grab his mask and put it on, which he then did, sliding the mask firmly into place. It stuck there to his face, and he reached for the door handle of the car. A few deep breaths were taken as he was staring at the open garage door and stepped out. Outside of the vehicle, Leonardo went over towards this platform where an armored car would back up to. There were no steps up to this area, so Leonardo had to grapple himself up over the edge, which... Why, why are things never so simple? But with a few heaves, he got up and sprang to his feet cautiously. He was pressed for time. But at the same time, since he could hear no alarms, was there really a need to rush things? Of course there was, but really? He took a few steps towards the garage door that looked ripped open. He peered into the dark bank interior, which had now a few flickering flares lighting up this space. He took a few steps inside. Was he to follow this path? A further look around spotted a security camera inside, and what pressed home that there was likely a silent alarm going off somewhere. In a rush, Leonardo found himself inside, running, following the flares that led down this hallway. He was looking for another security camera to yell at, since that was what Catalina had wanted him to do, yet he always kept passing by them by the time he spotted them. It felt a bit silly to stop, run back, yell at the security camera people about chasing down a gang and then running off again. And the name of the gang he couldn't remember at this exact second. 
and you know the whole running off again it just eh, wasn't working for him so he kept going heading towards what he hoped to be the lobby where he could scream out whatever and hopefully find the path where the robbers had gone to and remember the name of the gang the hallway came to an end through a doorway which he went right through into the bank lobby only to find himself spilled and tripped over a rope stanchion barrier thingies that were all in the way. He spilled onto the floor and did his best to spring back up as he looked wildly around for another security camera. But once again, there didn't seem to be any anywhere that he looked. There were plenty of flares leading up to the elevators, though. So that was one good sign. Still, he turned and pointed his finger around the lobby, Listen up, I am the masked butler who is here to save the day. This bank is being robbed by the notoriously bad gang, by a notoriously bad gang, and I am the superhero who will save the day. He coughed and then looked down. That sounded rather prophetic for a justice cry. No, it won't do at all. He looked back up and took another breath, hoping that whatever came out next sounded about right for a superhero cry. All right, I am the hero, the masked butler, here to save the day from the bank robbers, because you idiots didn't know what was going to happen. The gang, the gang, the whatever gang that I've been tracking are here to cause mayhem, and I'll stop it. He took a few steps towards the elevator, and then came to a stop, and took another deep breath to shout. The righteous gang, the righteous right gang, that's it. Those are the tools that are stealing from you. And with that said, he hurried towards the elevators, following the flares. He hit the call elevator button and then paused. Would the elevators still be working? Surely they would be in rest mode or of some sort or something like that. No need to keep them active during the night. But he also knew nothing about elevators other than they were pulled up and down by cables and perhaps something to do with counterweight. The doors to several of the waiting elevators popped open the second he pressed the button, and the thoughts were instantly gone from his mind as he got onto the nearest one. He had no idea which button to press to head up to, since they could be on any of the floors or down below. He hit the button for two, as that's where they'd gone when they'd been scouting out here. The elevator responded by closing the doors and slowly beginning to rise. Happy that things were going somewhat well, Leonardo began humming to himself. Things, however, ground to a halt a second later with the elevator jerking to a stop, but not opening its doors. Wait, what? What's going on? He went over towards the control panel and pressed the open door button. It didn't respond, and the second he touched the panel, which had been lit, all of the lights died out. The elevator itself plunged from bright to a single emergency light that failed to do much other than eliminate a single small corner. He glanced about at the ceiling, having read enough comics to know that there should be some sort of hatchway up there. Sure enough, even though the dim light was dim, there was a light casting an outline up there. He jumped up towards it, but even with his fingers outstretched, he couldn't touch the top of the elevator. And worse, the smooth side of the elevators were not making it likely that he would manage to get up there. Still, he couldn't be trapped in here so he tried his best to crawl along the wall like a spider, which went about as well as expected, mostly with him sliding off of them. On one such attempt, though, after about 20 minutes or so had gone by, he did grab the lip of the hatchway, only to fall down. 
This, however, tripped something, and the small ladder came out of the ceiling. Not wasting any more time, Leo scrambled back to his feet and jumped onto the ladder, hoping it would hold so that he could get to the hatch. With the hatchway thrown open and out of the way by him, Leonardo climbed out on top of the elevator, slightly exhausted. This had gone from going well and okay-ish to not going well at all, and he was sure that some other nefarious thing was going to be thrown at him soon. The bright side of this was that he was now staring at what he hoped were the closed doors to the second floor elevator doorway space. The darkness of this space, which the elevator went up and down, provided no answers or any numbers, so he went up to it and tried to pry them open. Not an easy task, but they moved after a few harsh pulls, and then moved a bit more once they'd separated enough for him to crumple his way past them. A flare was right in front of Leonardo when he spilled in, as he got up from the floor of the second floor lobby. He found himself quickly looking away since it hurt to look at, and he slowly got to his feet. The second floor lobby wood had a few flares leading off down the rows and rows of desks. He could see a figure somewhat down one of the rows, and he was sure it was one of the gang members, and that they had seen him. As right after that, the figure had run off. That left only one thing to do, and that was to give chase. A prospect he was not looking forward to as he had already used up quite a bit of energy just getting up here. Leonardo decided that running in this instant wasn't needed. No, he would simply stalk his way down the row with the purposeful steps. That sounded cool and superhero-ish to his mind, and so he nodded yes to himself. So he began to strut and stalk his way down the row of desks. He got about halfway through these rows and rows of cubicles when a masked figure jumped out from one of them, with both hands up. This was a muscular and manly-looking frame, which made Leonardo lean more towards this potentially being a man, but maybe it was a woman. And, well, he didn't really care, but, eh. But anyone could be hidden under a black suit, and he guessed it was Roscoe, but, as since Catalina had said Roscoe was fighting him, right? There was no way he could tell with the full face mask and just a black suit. Stop, villain? I will never stop. Me and the Righteous Right Gang don't crumble for any superhero or police. Come at me, fiend. I'm not a fiend. You're a fiend. Robbing banks in the dead of night makes you a fiend, fiend. The man, who he assumed was Roscoe, came up to him with what looked to be a boxing-like pose. A move that freaked out Leonardo, who backed up as idle jabs were thrown into the air, seemingly testing where he'd just been. Stop running away, or are you not a hero? The man in the black suit began approaching rapidly now. I am a hero, but one that doesn't like getting hit as much. Ones that don't get hit are much better at their jobs. I don't like getting hit. Leonardo threw his fist out there, not intending to hit the man, but, you know, hoping his hope was to catch him off guard and send the man backing up. Instead, his fist met the other man's fist, as they both jabbed forward at the same time. A sudden hard pain ran through Leonardo's fist and right up his arm, sending off dozens of alarm bells in his mind. The two both jumped back and began waving their hands out to try and dull the shooting aching pain. What was that? Haha, didn't expect me to fight, did you? 
With a sudden surge of confidence, Leonardo took another few steps forward and pointed at Roscoe with his other unhurt hand, all while furiously shaking out his other still-hurting hand. Oh, you think you can win by smashing my bad hand, do you? Well, just you wait. The villain began approaching again, with one hand up ready to punch and the other still getting a good shaking out. The two circled around one another for a minute or so with no punches thrown. Leonardo didn't throw any because he hadn't worked on this aspect in his training to get in shape. Also, he had no idea what he was going to do. The punch he'd thrown had been his only good idea, and, well, he'd seen where that had landed. Are you afraid of me, hero? I am not. Then throw your best punch, puny super. Leonardo did as he was told, and threw his unhurt fist somewhat nearby, uh, what he figured was Roscoe's face. It looked like it was going to miss terribly, yet somehow the villain seemed to both move in the way and out of the way at the same time. His fist grazed the man's cheek, and the villain went down like a crumpled heap of potatoes. Leonardo stared down at the sight for a second, knowing fully well he hadn't done a damned thing. But still, he looked at his fist in surprise and then down at the villain. Then, realizing that the thieving was probably still going on, he turned and hurried down the rest of the row of cubicles. He dutifully followed the flares on the ground to the end of the row of cubicles and then turned left onto a new hallway. An actual hallway with two walls on each side. On his left were a few variety of windowed walls that led off to meeting spaces, probably, and his right were just plain old beige walls that had nothing to it. Leonardo had sped up his jogging walk to try and find the other gang members to put a stop to all of us. He passed by a meeting room that had a flare in it. He couldn't really tell whether it was or wasn't because the blinds to this meeting room were down. He also had to deal with the fact that the flares also continued on down the hallway. He tried to peek into this meeting room, but with the blinds having been drawn and closing off from sight, there was nothing he could really do other than guess that the bright light was probably a flare. Here he paused, to go in or not to go into this space. Should he try his luck or plunge ahead? A muffled sound of something came from inside this meeting room, and it was plain to see what he had to do. Bursting in, Leonardo found himself confronted by a lady tied up into a chair hopping about in a meeting room. She was close to the door and looked up frantically at the sudden interruption. She went wide-eyed as he froze up standing in the doorway. What was this? He hadn't known that about this part of the planet. Was she part of it? Uh, uh are you okay? There was a furious headshake no from the lady, and he snapped too. He couldn't just leave her sitting here, now could he? Leonardo moved around the chair to see a bevy of knots tied to the chair and this lady's arms. They looked to be done in a maze-like fashion and with several small ropes as well. A knife would have made quick work of this mess, but he didn't have one as he began pulling at knots to try and untie them. He had some success getting at least two of the big ones undone, which freed up her arms. This lady took the chance to go after the knots that she could, as Leonardo found his own work fumbling. He couldn't stay here undoing these smaller knots because his fingers could not get to them. And there was a crime happening. Uh, listen, I have to go catch some criminals, so... He managed to get at one of the small knots 
letting it come undone. But there was pain in his fingernails and at his fingers from trying to claw at these tight, tight ropes, and he was now shaking out both hands as he bolted out the door. Back out in the hallway, it took him a few seconds to orient himself, and then chase off after the flares once again. His pace quickened as he worried that things were off. Shouldn't the police be here by now? Had the alarm been tripped? It should have. Maybe it was a silent one, but if not by the gang, then by him, of course, right? He knew well enough that he would have likely stumbled into something which would have set that said alarm blaring off all over the place, even if it was a quiet one. That would be his luck. Nothing, however, was happening. No sudden flashing blue and red lights outside. No blaring alarms. And nothing was happening. Nope. It was calm, quiet, and the only light seemed to be coming from the moonlight peeking through some of the windows, and, of course, the flares that lit the way. No security or maintenance people either, which it was weird, and made him uncomfortable. He pressed onward as the end of the hallway was coming up on him. He stopped at the doorway to the end of this hallway. A sign hung up announced that it was the manager's office. There was only the single last flare hanging out in front of it, and Leonardo put his hand on the door handle and sighed to himself. This felt unearned, like he hadn't really done anything, and if there was anything beyond this door in the first place, it just didn't seem right. And why a bank manager's office? Why not the vault, or hack any of the computers of the employees in the cubicles? There were no answers in his mind as he pushed the door open. As if a hurricane had blown through the office, was what met Leonardo as he stepped inside, and it looked bad in there. Chaos had come here, and everything was thrown everywhere. The lone thing that seemed to be in place was the desk and the computer on top of it. He stepped further into the room, looking carefully about for anything weird. A hero, a villain, anything out of the way. There was no one, and he further stepped in, noting that the glass-to-floor ceiling windows all appeared to be broken inwardly. Step by step, he came around until he was behind the desk, and then found himself looking at the computer screen. Don't look out. He read it off of the screen, and as if instinctive, swirled about to see two feet coming at him from the windows. They hit him square in his side since he hadn't fully gotten turned around, and they sent him sprawling across and over the desk to the other side, where he did his best to try and catch himself so he didn't land on his head, a move that barely saved him as he landed hard on his shoulder instead. A hero thinks that they have the power to stop the righteous right, gang. Ha! In their dreams. With his shoulder throbbing, Leonardo did his best to get up, but with both hands hurting and now his shoulder giving him troubles, he didn't like this one bit as he tried to come around the desk again. I have already defeated your henchmen, villain. Or maybe they were really the brains behind all of this. It doesn't matter, as you will fail and fall as well. This villainous, who he was guessing and was sort of hoping was Catalina, had stepped over to the computer, grabbing something off of it. Then she stepped backwards, holding a thumb drive in her hand as she waved goodbye. Leonardo took a step forward to try and grab her as she stepped backwards. He could see the harness around her midsection as she had some sort of system allowing her to move up and down the side of the building. To his surprise, she went down and not up. And since it wasn't difficult to get down, she was gone in a few seconds. Leonardo had made a grab for the rope that had shown up from her, but it came hurtling down just out of his grasp. Once the villainous had reached solid ground, 
He glanced downward, trying to decide if he could survive a jump well enough to pull off getting down there. The cement sidewalk and the staircase that went up the front entrance of this bank did not present a nice picture to land on, though, and he pulled back away from the window as his stomach was becoming somewhat unsettled from the height, even if it wasn't the largest one in the world. Fuck, what am I going to do now? The distant sound of sirens wailing woke him up further. He turned to look at the computer again. It showed no signs of life with the dark screen, and even the power button on the tower didn't seem lit now. Maybe, hopefully, I stopped them? The sounds of sirens growing in the distance, he told himself he didn't have time to contemplate this anymore. And wasting no time at all, Leonardo rushed his way back the way he'd come. He ignored the meeting rooms and the woman still in her chair trying to get out as he cut his way back through the rows and cubicles that went on and on. His attention was drawn towards the elevators which awaited him, and he didn't want to chance that again, so he began looking to and fro for any signs of a sign that would point towards a staircase. It took a few good seconds of searching about the place, which only had a few nightlights as the flares had all now died out. He ran off towards the left and found the doorway, tucked away from everything. He threw it open, and to his surprise, this caused a heavy blaring alarm to ring out. He stopped in the stairwell for a second, registering the noise, and then began jumping as fast as he could down the stairs, several steps at a time. He clattered out of the still-open garage door a few minutes later and out of the back of the bank, and jumped down from the platform. There were still no cops around, but there was a lot of noise coming from the bank itself, and maybe the sound of a siren off in the distance. But there was no reason to stick around here, and Leonardo ran to the car, sliding into the driver's seat and getting it going. This night had gone terribly, he felt, and as he glanced into the rearview mirror, he realized he still had his mask on. He pulled this off of his face, tossing it towards the passenger side footwell, as he started the car and got moving. Leonardo found himself very tense as he drove what was mostly empty city streets. He was concentrating hard on what was going on in front of him, but with a few street lamps cast a blaring light, it wasn't easy. Worse, he wasn't sure exactly where he was. He knew it was in town, in this little city, and he was headed easterly, since some sort of sign had passed had said exactly that. But what did that mean? And how was he to get home from an easterly direction? Was his house this way, or was it south, or north? Maybe west? He shook his head and then panicked as he'd taken his eyes off the road for a second to think about this. His hands gripped the steering wheel tighter as he could see a sign up ahead for an entranceway to a highway, with signs signifying a lot of words, most of which he just didn't comprehend, and those words, however, didn't have much meaning to him other than direction, sort of. He chose a northerly route that the highway sign proclaimed, and then hoped for the best. The road was smooth, calm, and well-lit as Leonardo drove down it. He was still very tense, waiting for anything and everything to pop out at him. His mind worried as he passed exit after exit after exit, and sign after sign, that he was going the wrong way. Fear kept him oscillating between the two of getting off and staying on the highway when approaching an exit. He couldn't make up his mind, and a decision wouldn't come 
so he would drive past the exit and on to the next one. Come on, Leonardo, make a choice. If it feels wrong, I can hopefully turn around and start again. He glanced down at his fuel gauge, which was still near the top, which was good. The only thing that seemed to be changing around here was that the overhead lights up on the sticks over the highway seemed to be growing fewer and fewer. Now, he told himself, wasn't the time to begin looking for a headlight switch, but he also knew he needed to look for it, but he didn't know where exactly it was. And, to make things even more complicated, another exit was coming up on him quickly. Heart pumping and looking about nervously, Leonardo adjusted the wheel, aiming it this time for the exit ramp that was quickly approaching. It looked dark down there, and now he could tell that his headlights were definitely not on. But he could pull off the road and hopefully figure things out. Once on the ramp and nearing what he figured was the end of it, Leonardo eased the car further off the side of the road and brought it to a soft, slow stop. He shifted the gear lever into park and began to look about for a switch to turn on the lights, or any lights at this point. He stumbled over several switches, flicking them on and then off when they did nothing for him. After a minute or so, the headlights flickered on and then off. Relieved, he flicked them back on. He got the car back onto the road. He decided to follow this road and this exit that he had taken. There was nothing else he could really do, as there was no entrance ramp back onto the highway. And so he followed the road and began snaking through the countryside. His driving was still tense and slow, as he was unsure of where he was and how the car was going to react. That and he still expected something to pop up in front of him, or maybe behind him, to try and kill him. Why he thought it was going to kill him, he didn't know, but that or maybe the police would suddenly appear behind him and they would try and kill him. Still wasn't entirely sure why things wanted to kill him, but that's the thought that was coming to him. None of this had happened so far, but he did swear that he saw an animal of some sort dart across the road, and he nearly slammed the brakes. The animal was across the road before he even reacted, but still, it was not good for his heart and he wondered if his heart or mind would give out first from all of the stress and uncertainty as he kept driving. His problems compounded themselves when the road came to an end, meeting another road that went left or right, but no signs of which way was which that he could see in the grim darkness. He turned his car to the left after sitting there for a few minutes. As he drove this new road, Leonardo told his mind that it all looked very similar out there. His mind wasn't having it, though, since his mind had come up with the idea in the first place, leaving him to sink into a seat and hoping that there would be some sight that he knew. This drive was getting to him, and he stifled a yawn as he kept blinking and trying to keep going, though feeling very tired and exhausted at all that had happened. He passed by many houses at this point, and it did feel sort of vaguely familiar, but since he didn't trust himself, or his mind, he glanced to his left as he passed by what looked to be a long driveway hidden among the trees as he passed by, then hit the brakes hard. That had felt like his driveway, hadn't it? Had it? Either way, there was but one way to find out, and so he shifted the car into reverse to get a better look at it. He stopped once again at the front entrance of the driveway and stared at the ambiguous entranceway and shrugged. Was there any harm in driving up a driveway? Perhaps, perhaps not. But he angled the car into the driveway and began trekking it. 
To his great relief, when he drove down this driveway, he found his own home at the end of it, a familiar sight that let him breathe a heavy sigh of relief as he drove up to the garage. All the lights were off in the house and in the garage, and the late night hour, which read 3am according to his pocket watch, meant that the lights should be out. Yet it felt very quiet, and he did not like that idea at all. He had to get out of the car and open up the garage doors himself, which he wasn't used to, and, and he hoped weren't locked, since no one else was around. It felt strangely lonely as he went over towards the doors and opened the handle, which would allow him to swing it open. He reached out and froze, slowly turning towards the house. There was no rain clouds over the place, which felt wrong somewhat. Was this the right place? His hand rested against the door handle of the garage door, which turned and began opening since his weight was against it as he leaned on it, trying to decide things. He tried to stop himself, but found himself losing his balance, and he could only hold on to the door handle as it pulled him. He was dragged across the tile cement floor by the door, and Leonardo did not know what else he could have done in this moment to make it stop, so he let it drag him until the energy ran out after a few seconds. When it came to a stop, he got to his feet and looked about the dark interior, then wandered back towards the garage opening as he figured there should be a light switch around there. He groped about a wall and met with success as he flicked on a light that illuminated a mostly empty garage space. It all looked very familiar to him, but different, and as he had to remind himself, he was supposed to be leaving here soon as per Jeeves' orders, so the cars had been taken except for this one. He went back out to the car, since he figured leaving it out there was a bad idea. If anyone came around looking for it, because it probably showed up on some security camera footage, well, that would be bad. He didn't want to take that chance of it being out here and found. Superheroes were supposed to be sort of secretive, weren't they? He shortly got the car tucked safely away in the door as the garage closed again. With all of that accomplished, Leonardo trudged his way up to the house and in, the door having been left unlocked, which made him suspicious that something was wrong, but he was also tired and the day was wagging on him. Jeeves would have locked the door, but he hadn't seen his butler all day either, and maybe it was just him who had forgotten to lock the door? He couldn't remember as he did his best to get him, as he did his best to get the costume off of himself. Through a bit of luck and ingenuity, he used the living room couch to push the back zipper down, though it took a bit of doing. And in the end, though, he'd only gotten the costume half off before just slumping over exhausted onto the comfy couch and falling fast asleep. His sleep lasted not very long, as he was woken up by sounds coming from the kitchen area. He yawned and got up from the couch and headed in that direction, unsure of things as the place felt so empty. Not that it had much before, but it was a livable space, with things like tables and other art pieces maybe. He hadn't really much paid attention to it, but it had felt homely, sort of. And the question why had the couches been left pricked his mind. Shouldn't they have been one of the first things taken by a big truck that, that Jeeves had ordered, since, you know, they were a big item? He went into the kitchen looking for the source of the noise, maybe it was Catalina or Jeeves, and they might be able to answer a few questions. As he walked through the doorway, though, he saw a woman leaning against the counter, 
holding a traveling mug with a steaming beverage in it. She was not in the slightest bit familiar. Uh, hello. Who are you? I am a fixer named Rosie. Oh, that sounds like a bad person out of a silly comic book. Um, uh, sorry, no, that, that, sounds, that sounds like I'm trying to be sound smart or... Uh, who, why? Uh, she smiled and came a little bit away from the counter she'd been leaning on. Well, fixers can be good people, and they can be bad people, I suppose. So it isn't all that you think it is, Mr. Leonardo, but I suppose a person showing up unannounced would cause a bit of a surprise and worry for anyone who hadn't expected them. Oh, okay, um, you're here to fix a mess? The house, mostly. It needs to be cleaned of your presence, which, well, it isn't easy, but it is sort of easy. He looked about the place a bit puzzled. It was already clean of mostly everything. What else could be cleared out of here? His presence? He didn't have much of one as far as he was aware of. Okay then, uh, you go do that. Um, but, uh, a quick question. Do you happen to know where the butler Jeeves is? She had pointed off towards the front of the house. He greeted me at the garage, so he might still be out there. Leonardo nodded his thanks and headed off towards the garage. Exiting the front door, he was greeted by the sight of a large truck which had several workers loading up the last car he had driven not that long ago. The one thing he was looking for, though, Jeeves, was still nowhere to be seen, and it bothered him as he headed for the garage. Why had his butler turned into a master of disappearing? He knew the only answer he would get would come from the man himself, if he could catch up to him, and if he could get a straight answer out of the man. As he began to walk the distance to the garage itself, Leonardo noted a black, sleek-looking vehicle slowly coming up the driveway with heavily tinted glass. He stopped and stared at it for a second, feeling uncomfortable as it came to a stop. The doors to the car popped open, and out stepped several suited men. Excuse me, this is the home that belongs to the Damien family. Leonardo shook his head no, and then hurried towards the garage. End of part five of The Lost Adventures of a Maybe Hero. Thank you for listening.